What up, world? It's your past first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Lockdown Blazers, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. We got an episode chock full of real Blazers news coming your way, starting with the sudden departure of Pau Gasol. Then I want to talk about the second segment, Damian Lillard's back, where he's at health-wise and what it means for the Blazers. And I want to close the show with some optimism. It's dark days here in Rip City, so I want to give you a little bit of positivity to end the show on. Well, let's start with the news. The Blazers have officially waived Pau Gasol, the 39-year-old hoping to play his 19th NBA season. It is over before it got started. Some quick background on this. Gasol had foot surgery in May. He was hoping that uh, five months away from the game, a summer of rehab, and some patience, he could get back on the floor. The Blazers were more optimistic than Gasol was usually when talking about this this summer. Neil Olshay said several times, or at least once that I can recall on the record, said that Gasol would be ready by training camp and be ready by opening night. But Gasol was always a little bit more cautious with the words he used publicly and the words he used with reporters. He would say, I hope to be ready. My hope is to be ready. Well, it turns out he wasn't ready. And after not appearing in any game all season, I don't believe he ever participated in a full practice with the Blazers. Although in preseason, he was running around a little bit more than he was by the end of his Blazer tenure. He was officially waived. Some of you asked in previous mailback episodes, what's the news on Pau Gasol? And I said, we just haven't really heard any. Well, we've heard some now, and the news is that he's gone. I want to play you a little audio. He made the announcement on Twitter. He scooped Woj. He scooped the team. He beat the press release and the heavy hitter national reporters. Posting on his Instagram page and social media in general that he was leaving the Blazers. And I want to play that audio now. Take a listen. Hello, everyone. As of today, I will no longer be a member of the Portland Trail Blazers players roster. The injury that I've been dealing with and for which I underwent surgery last May can take anywhere from 6 to 12 months to heal completely. I underwent surgery in hopes that it would expedite my return. But unfortunately, in the last few days, we have assessed that my recovery is going to take longer than we originally hoped for. When we signed my contract with the Blazers, we knew this timeline was a possibility. So we agreed that the team could have the option to release me in order to have the flexibility to sign a player that would be able to help on the court right away if need be. This will also allow me to fully focus on my recovery without the pressure of having the team waiting for my return. This board has given me and continues to give me lots of joy. I have experienced many unbelievable, incredible moments uh, and a few challenging ones like the one that I'm going through right now. I have the same excitement and passion for the game of basketball that I had when I first started playing. And I will work as hard as I can on my recovery with a clear goal in mind, to get healthy in order to continue to play the game that I love. In the meantime, and while I continue to recover in Portland, I am excited to, together with the Trailblazers organization, explore how I can continue to contribute to the team from a different role, not yet defined. I am very grateful and flattered by their desire to find ways to continue to work together, and I look forward to a good year with this great organization. Thank you so much for the love and support that you all have always given me. Let's keep it going. Okay, a couple key takeaways from that Palgasol audio, because I think there's some pretty interesting things there. But I want to start by saying but I don't think this is the worst-case scenario for the Blazers. In fact, I think 
for where they are now, this might even be good news. Now, let's rewind a little bit, and I don't think this is good news overall. I don't want to spin it that way. I think this is bad news, because it's another thing that has gone wrong. In When they signed Pau Gasol in the summer, the plan was to have him play. They signed him to have a role. He was going to be the backup center. Scalabissier was going to watch games, because they had multiple bigs on the roster who were way ahead of him. Hassan Whiteside was going to start, Zach Collins was going to play power forward, and Pau Gasol was going to back up Whiteside, he was going to play next to Powell, or excuse me, he's going to play next to Zach a little bit. And then if they needed to, they'll slide Zach up to center. They had their options up front. Of course, that is not the case any longer. Zach Collins is probably going to miss at least games through March. Powell Gasol is now a free agent, no longer an NBA player. I also think it's worth noting that uh, the Blazers were a little more optimistic about whether Powell would be part of this team all summer, more so than Powell himself. Neil Olshay said at least once on the record that Powell would be ready for training camp, ready for opening night, that he would be ready to go when the regular season started. And I think that was the general belief from the team. But Powell never used those words. He was very cautious the way he talked about it. He would say, I hope to be ready. I aim to be ready. My hope is to be ready by the start of the regular season. He never put a fine, as fine a point on it as the team did. And sure, I think it's clear that he had a setback. When the doors would open in preseason and in training camp, Powell was running around and doing stuff. He really dialed back how much physical stuff he was doing since the games actually started. And now he's done. He's not going to play for the Blazers this season. NBA career is likely in jeopardy just considering his age and this injury. So why I think it's okay, why I think this isn't the worst news for the Blazers considering the situation is because Powell wasn't going to play, and even if, you know, maybe he's ready to play in March and April, the Blazers probably need help now. Now Jason Quick of The Athletic has reported that the Blazers are not going to make a signing immediately. There's no imminent free agent uh, 15th man coming on the Blazers roster. They're going to roll with 14 guys for now. But it's better to have that open spot, be able to go sign, you know, if you're looking for buzz names, Joe Kim Noah, Tyler Zeller types off the street, uh, you know, backup NBA centers who could maybe help you in a pinch, than it is just carry Pau Gasol's roster spot with you and just pay him to not be able to play. So I think that's better news. The other thing Pau mentions in that video that I think is really, really important and really interesting is that he hopes to stay on with the Blazers in some capacity that is not playing. Adrian Wojnarowski reported that the Blazers are exploring some coaching options. Now, the Blazers haven't expanded on that publicly, but you can assume between Woj's reporting what Powell says is that the Blazers want to keep Powell around. They want to use what they thought was valuable about him when they signed him. It's that he's 39 years old, he's played 18 NBA seasons, he's won multiple championships, he's just seen a lot of stuff. And they want to harness someone who's seen a lot of stuff. In addition, Powell has a really good relationship with Yusuf Nurkic. There's some value there in just keeping one of your best players happy. Even if Nurk is on the shelf, bringing someone around him who he has a good rapport with, it's obvious you can just see Powell and him clown on the bench. And from what I've seen, sort of behind-the-scenes stuff, they seem to get along. Seem to be legitimate friends. I think it's good to just have that guy around. Especially if it doesn't count against the salary cap and you don't have to pay luxury taxes. That's just an added bonus. So it sounds like Powell's going to be around. Sounds like we'll see him looking a lot like he's looked for the first 15 games of the year or whatever, wearing a suit on the bench. Maybe he will have to wear a button-up instead of a t-shirt. But sounds like the Blazers want to keep him around and use 
some of that veteran wisdom, veteran savvy and, and basketball knowledge to help the team. And now they have an empty roster spot. So while I think this is bad news because it's yet another Blazer front court injury, it's yet another strike against the deepest and most talented roster we've had since 2012 when Neil Olshay took over the Blazers, as he proclaimed on Media Day. Another strike against that for a team that's getting crushed up front to lose another guy who could potentially help is bad news. It's bad news. But considering all of the bad news has already piled up, I think this is one of the better outcomes for the team. They can go get someone to help, and Powell isn't storming out on bad terms. He's going to stick around the team and add some value. I think that's good news. All right, in the second segment, I want to talk about Damian Lewis back. He's now missed two games with back spasms, and that was after playing through injury basically for three nights and looking like not really himself. I want to talk about an update on his injury status and what that means going forward for the Blazers. But before I do that, I want to tell all you guys about my bookie. This is for past, present, and future my bookie players. During Thanksgiving week, my bookie is offering a risk-free bet on the Bears-Lions game. Simply choose a team against the spread for up to $250. If you win, congrats. You've got extra holiday spending money. If you lose, congratulations to you as well. My bookie will give you all your money back. It's a no-brainer because you literally cannot lose. It's no risk, all gravy. Doesn't matter whether you're an experienced player or a first-time customer, my bookie welcomes all to come play. So quit waiting around and sign up today. Do you find yourself wanting to bet on sports but have a lot of questions? Don't sweat it. MyBookie's patient customer service can walk you through the process. And the best part is, if you join this Thanksgiving week, you'll still have one last shot to take advantage of their incredible sign-up offer. Just log on to MyBookie.ag and make your first deposit with the promo code LOCKEDON. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. And my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar to jumpstart your bankroll. And that's on top of the risk-free bet. Let me repeat. That's a guaranteed deposit match and a risk-free bet for Thanksgiving only. So if you're a true football fan, you do not want to let this opportunity pass you by. You simply can't lose. Make sure you do your part to support your team this season. Hop on the gravy train and get in the action with my bookie. You play, you win, you get paid. Okay, so we talked Pau Gasol in the first segment. Now I want to talk about Damian Lloyd's back injury. He's missed two straight games after he missed the Blazers' loss to the Milwaukee Bucks, a 137-129 loss in Milwaukee on Thursday night. But Damian Lloyd hopes to play Thursday, he told members of the press at at shoot-around this morning in Milwaukee. And thanks to friend of the podcast, Jason Quick, we've got some pretty in-depth reporting on what basically Dame is dealing with. According to Lillard, and this is via Jason Quick, the injury happened, or was it, he first sustained the injury on November 12th against the Kings. We will recall that nightmare game where the Blazers got punked by the Kings and Lillard wasn't very good. Then the next night in Toronto, or, or at home against Toronto, Damon Lillard was held to nine points, snapped a 230-game streak of scoring in double figures. I don't know, f- watching that game, if I physically thought that there was something wrong with Damian Lillard. I didn't say like, oh, you know, he doesn't look like himself. I just thought he he, he didn't play very well. So I, I wasn't necessarily suspecting anything. But he kept going. 
even after experiencing that injury against the Kings and saying that it was aggravating him against that Toronto game, he, he kept playing. Blazers flew to San Antonio to begin that road trip. That was on Saturday. Dame played 40 minutes against the Spurs. They, the Blazers won. It was a game they really needed to win, an important game. Then it was the, ne- the next night in Houston when Dame played 35 minutes and kind of a beatdown. The Blazers' worst loss of the season today. Not even kind of a beatdown. A beatdown against the Rockets. And Dame told Jason Quick, in Houston, it was I was still real tight. I just knew I wasn't comfortable or where I wanted to be. But since then, he's been really aggressive in sort of taking care of his body. He's been getting massages and acupuncture, doing a bunch of just like stretches to get his that sort of tightness in his back done. He said, I even did an Epsom salt bath. But Dame says he wants to play Saturday when the Blazers play the fifth game of their six-game road trip at the Cleveland Cavaliers. Again, quoting from Jason Quick's reporting, Dame, Dame told Quick, I'd be doing disservice to my health if I just went out and played. It will stick around. Where we are now, the best thing is to get healthy, and then we make our push. So that's that, I guess, is, I feel like, the crux for me. Damien Lord is looking at the much larger picture as he's doing this. He knows what y'all know. He knows what I know. The Blazers aren't very good right now. They're 5-11 and after losing to the Bucks. But he's probably pretty good at basic math. He knows there's 66 games left in the regular season, and that while the Blazers' season seems to be slipping away, it is not gone yet. The way it would be gone is if he were to play through this and hurt himself and end up with a long-term injury. So Dame is taking the, a, a probably wise longer-term view of this injury. Instead of rushing back and playing through this, try to drag some, the Blazers to some early wins. They're 2-9 and nine in November. They, could, they need him. They're not good when he doesn't play. He's their best player by a wide margin. But instead of trying to drag them through some November wins, he is looking to when the calendar flips. He's looking ahead. He wants to be available. You know, say he misses three or four games. Say he doesn't play at all on this road trip. And the Blazers come back to Portland at 5-13. and 13. Yeah, that's super messy. And they're going to be in a bad place at 5-13. and 13, Really, really looking for a push to make, like a, a major push to even make the playoffs at that point. Even 18 games in, their, their, their postseason lives would be in jeopardy. But I think what Dame says is doing a disservice is what he means is he believes this team can make a push. He believes that if the Blazers are 7-11 and 11 when they get back to Portland, they can go 11-7 and 7 over their next 18 games, end up at basically 500 at the halfway point, and still have a shot to make the playoffs. I think the Blazers are recalibrating where they are in the pecking order in real time. They were talking about championships in August. I've hammered that point a bunch, even in earlier podcasts, because I was stunned they were talking about trophies in August. But I don't think they're necessarily, like, at least Dame, because he's relentlessly optimistic. They don't, they're not completely recalibrating and saying, well, this isn't a championship team, let's pack it in. I think they're just saying, we are a playoff level team. We are a team that can get better with some in-season trades. We can get better with some health. We can get better with some continuity. Let's make sure we get all the way there. So the important thing for me, the important takeaway for me from what Dame told Jason Quick is that he doesn't sound super panicked. He sounds like someone who says, we're in a bad spot. I'm not healthy. That's not good. 
but our best chance to get where I want this team to be, where this team wants to be, is for me to get fully healthy and then and then make that push. And then say, cool, we got to win 10 of 13. Now, whether this roster is good enough to win 10 of 13, that's a different thing that we'll talk about at a different point. But I just wanted to highlight sort of, I think in that reporting, in the quotes that I shared with you, I think you kind of see Damian Lillard's approach. Not that he's being patient to a fault, but he's being in, he's being intentionally patient because he knows that he has to be ready to play really well in January and February, and he can't risk November because of that. It's up to you whether you think that's the good or responsible idea or whatever, but that's how he's approaching it, and I think that's important. The Blazers... Like I said, they're not as good with Damian Lillard. They actually, I don't do uh, recaps on this podcast. You can find those somewhere else. But here's your 15-second recap against the Bucks. The Blazers played without Hassan Whiteside out, Damian Lillard, and they were really tough in this game. I thought it was a, as far as losses go, this was a, a loss that showed the Blazers have fight. I thought Scalabissier was fantastic in this game. I thought CJ McCollum looked really good. You had those, You had nice moments from Nazir Little. This was a team that didn't look terrible, minus two starters, three starters, if you want to include Zach Collins. So maybe there's some hope there, and maybe that's what Dame sees too, is that this team isn't as bad as their record suggests, and that if he can get healthy and they can sort of keep heading in the right direction, he can drag them back towards the playoffs. But if he gets hurt, he has no chance to drag them back towards the playoffs. Okay, I want to close the show on a positive note. I'm generally a pessimist. Not only in the way I think about sports, but in plenty of other aspects of my life. But let's not go there now. That's probably a different podcast I host. But what I want to do in the third segment is I want to answer the question, what are the Blazers good at? What are they elite at? What are they really, really special at? What is the thing that they do better than other NBA teams? Even bad teams have an elite skill. That's what we'll talk about to close the show. What's the Blazers' elite skill? Before I do that, I want to tell you guys about Audible. Audible is the world's largest selection of audiobooks and audio entertainment. And you can start listening with a 30-day audio trial today. Choose one audiobook and two Audible originals absolutely free. Just visit audible.com slash lockedonmba. That's audible.com slash lockedonmba. And if you're listening on the go and you can't visit audible.com right now, guess what? You can find this and all the other offers from Locked On sponsors at LockedOnPodcast.com slash offers. All right, still pass first point guard, still Mike Richmond. You're still listening to Locked On Blazers. We talked Pau Gasol's immediate departure from the team. We talked to Damian Lillard's back and how he's approaching that injury. Now I want to talk about, I want to close the show on with a positive note. What are the Blazers truly good at? What is, what is the thing that they are better than every other team in the league at. We know what they're bad at. If you don't know what they're bad at, let me remind you. Because it's, you know, like I said, I'm a pessimist. Let's start with the dark before we get to the light. They're basically the worst rebounding team in the NBA. They're giving up the most second chance points of any team in the league. And they got worse against the Bucks on Thursday. Milwaukee killed an undersized Blazer team on the glass that started Anthony Tolliver at center. Not a big surprise, but that's not a Blazer's strength. The Blazers are also near the bottom of the league in assists. I think people make a bigger deal out of this than it is. The Blazers were one of the worst assist teams in the league last year, and they were third in offensive rating. 
but they're also near the bottom of the league in just total passes. They just don't pass that much. These are their their clear weaknesses. They're a bottom 10 defense. They're a middle-of-the-road offense. You, you, you know. You know. But what are the Blazers really good at? What is their elite skill as we sit here 16 games into the season? And folks, I present to you the bread and butter of the league, the pick and roll. The Blazers run pick and rolls on more than a quarter of their possessions end with them running a pick and roll action. Now, they don't run just straight up pick and roll a bunch. Um, a lot of times they do uh, some creative actions to get guys isolated and then run screens or they run stuff it doesn't work out and things devolve into a pick and roll. But the Blazers, according to NBA.com, the Blazers run pick and roll action to end their possessions on 26.4 of their trips down the floor. That's more, a quarter, more than a quarter of their trips. That's one of the highest rates in the league. Only the Utah Jazz are running pick and rolls more frequently. And here is the Blazers' strength that you've been waiting for. The Blazers are third in the league in points per possession coming out of pick and rolls. Scoring .99 points per trip. Mavericks, Dallas Mavericks are the best in the NBA at 1.07 points per possession. Boston Celtics 1.01. Then your Blazers. Remember those Utah Jazz who run the most pick and rolls in the league? 0.83 points per possession. They're not particularly good at it. The Blazers are way better. So among the high-volume pick and roll teams, the, this, this group, these Blazers are among the best. It's what they do best. And they do it because Dame does it better than anyone in the league. Among players that run five pick and rolls as the ball handler in the league, Nobody, not a single person in the league, is scoring more efficiently than Damian Lillard. Dame runs about 13 and a half pick and rolls a game on average, just shy of 14. They're about 53% of his possessions that he uses. So pretty much more than half the time Dame is, is scoring coming out of coming when he's the pick and roll ball handler. And he is scoring 1.19 points per possession. That's better than Hall of Famer, soon-to-be Hall of Famer Chris Paul. It's better than second-year phenom Trey Young. It's better than Brad Beal. It's better than Luka Doncic. It's better than LeBron James. It's better than James Harden and Lou Williams. 16.1 points per game for Damian Lillard on pick-and-rolls. Shoots about 50% from the field on pick-and-rolls when he's, when he's the pick-and-roll ball handler. An effective field goal percentage of 60% because sometimes he pulls up from three. So for all the Blazers' weaknesses, and they certainly have many, Damian Lillard is the best pick-and-roll player in the league right now. The numbers back it up, and when you watch him, you know that he's lethal in it. It's why they're sending two guys to him. It's why he's getting all this defensive attention. And so I think this is... I th I'm of two minds about this. One... This is the best we've ever seen Dame play. That's why the Blazers record is pretty frustrating is because I think we're watching him at the absolute height of his powers right now. It'd be a bummer if this is just a lost season when he's this good. And two, this is some optimism. What if the Blazers had a good pick-and-roll big? What if the Scalabissier we saw against the Bucks is someone who can play regularly? Now, I don't think Scalabissier is going to be a game changer for 35 minutes a night. But I think he's a better pick-and-roll player than Hassan Whiteside. And I think there are other 
pick and roll bigs. One of them who wears double zero for the Blazers, Carmelo Anthony, who at least presents some offensive threat coming off the pick and roll. That could really open things up for Dame. And if he's already this good getting crappy screens from Hassan Whiteside, who has no range on offense, and Dame's not a good lob thrower, so it's not like they're exploiting that. Imagine what he'd be like with a real pick and roll partner. So folks, I know you love for me to talk about trades on this podcast. I'm not going to talk about specifics, but I will talk about hope of a hypothetical roster move. The Blazers at some point this season are going to change this roster. There is no way you go 5-11 and with the highest of high hopes that they had at the beginning of the season and roll with the same 14 dudes for the rest of the year. If nothing else, they can sign a random guy off the street to fill Pau Gasol's spot. And I'm here to tell you, they can find a better pick-and-roll big. They can find a better pick-and-roll partner, even if it's just play Scal LeBissier more with Dame. He's already the best pick-and-roll player in the, in the NBA. Imagine if he had a real pick-and-roll partner. There's hope on the horizon, and it's because the Blazers have an elite skill, and they have a player who's the best at something in the whole league. It's an okay place to start. Be better not to start from that 5-11 and 11 hole with a back injury, but hey, can't win them all. What you can do is you can tell your friends about this podcast. Tell them they can get where they already get podcasts. Google, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify. Blazers close out the final games of this road trip against Cleveland and Chicago. These are pretty important ones for a Blazer season that's already heading sideways fast. A lot of intrigue against two bad Eastern Conference teams. I'll have an episode following those games. Downloading everything that happened. Looking back and looking ahead. And breaking down the news as it happens. Appreciate you guys listening. Talk to you soon.